This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast. Uh, brought to you, of course, by the folks at Bet Rivers. You can get it on the Bet Rivers Network. And remember, for all your wagering needs, it's Bet Rivers in New York and New Jersey, Play Sugar House in Connecticut. Before we uh, get to your emails or uh, prayers uh, and thoughts, go out to uh, the kids at Virginia. And what went on there, just just unbelievable. And when these things touch any area of our lives, uh, it's just uh, such a stark awakening. But again, our thoughts and prayers go out to that school and to what they're going through uh, right now. Okay, Mike Francis, the podcast at gmail.com. So you can send your emails there. We'll get to as many as we can. Um, how many wins do you think? This is from Rich. Uh, how many wins do you think uh, would get the Jets into the playoffs this year? You know, this year's uh, highly experimental, obviously, because we haven't gone through this process yet. Uh, you know, with this new format. But um, looking at it right now and looking at how many teams are in about the same spot, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams in the AFC with winning records. And you have one, two, three, four, five, six of them at six and three or better. So looking at that, I think if you want to lock up a – feel confident about locking up a spot, I think you're going to need 10 wins. I think 10, you might sneak in at 9 on a tiebreaker, but I think it'll probably take 10 to get in, to be comfortably in. 10 will get you in. Uh, I don't think 9 will automatically get you in. It might get you into a tiebreaker situation. But uh, I think 10 will get you in. I think that's the number to shoot at. Um, Patrick emails, on a few of your podcasts, you suggest the best thing for the Yankees is to start over. How would you go about doing that? Besides management changes, how would you handle the Stanton contract? Would you accept a few subpar non-playoff seasons? Uh, curious how you would go about it and how long would it take? Listen, it doesn't take long when you're the Yankees because I am not trying to turn the Yankees into a small market team. I am trying to... I am not trying to use all the resources at the Yankees' disposal. What I am telling you is that I don't like the players they have now. 
I want to exchange them for other players. I want to jettison some players that they have considered foundation players on this team. I don't believe I can get rid of Stanton. If I could, I would. I don't think I can. Not yet. Um, I would be open to trading Torres. It doesn't mean I have to trade Torres. I'm not an anti-Torres guy. But what I've said in the past is I am not locked into anybody on this roster. Now, they have some depth in their pitching. They don't have a bona fide closer. I don't think you can count Holmes or King to be that guy whenever King's healthy. A lot of people thought Lewisga could be that guy. I don't agree. I don't think he's a reliever because I think the more he, anytime he pitches back-to-back, anytime he pitches back-to-back, he goes backwards. So I don't think he is that. I think that they have some starting pitching, obviously. You're always going to have starting pitching when you can pay guys. And they have some starting pitching. I don't consider Cole a dynamic ace, but he's a solid pitcher. You better be a solid pitcher for what they're paying him. But my point is that I am not locked into anybody on that team. Now, I don't expect them to jettison the entire team. It's not going to happen. It's not realistic. But the idea that there's anybody I've seen who I have to have, I mean, am I locked into Cabrera for next year? No. Is Beta going to be there next year? Yes, he's going to be in center field. You know that. Does he look like a good player? Yeah, he played well in the playoffs. He looks like a good player. I don't think he's going to be a home run hitter. He just was for a couple of days. But I think he's a good, solid player. Is he a guy who's a great player? No, he's a good, solid player. Now, Judge, of course you want Judge back, but at a realistic price and a realistic amount of years because of the guy's age. I'm not giving him a 10-year contract and, and dying on the back end of the last $240 million. So that's an issue. But if you don't sign Judge, you're going to be able to sign two or three really big-time players. And instead, you have plenty of money to work with. There are plenty of available people out there. But the more important thing is the Yankees have got to do a better job scouting and developing players. Look at what Houston has done. When you look at Houston this year, you didn't get beat by El Tuve. You didn't get beat by some of the name guys. You got beat by Pena and Tucker and Alvarez and Valdez and Javier. I mean, these guys, and of course the Penn, they are overwhelmingly talented. So they keep developing premium talent and running it into their system and coming up and being able to hand a spot off. Correa, Correa leaves, Pena takes over. 
and how Fielder leaves, whether you're talking about Springer or Brantley, and Tucker takes over, and Alvarez takes over. I mean, that team is loaded. But that, and that's what you're shooting at now. You're shooting at a team that's that good, that has that kind of talent. You know, as you know, that's what you're doing. But when you look at the Yankees for next year, okay, there's not, you know, just players that you say, I have to, I have to make as foundation players. There's guys you want to unload. Yeah, you'd love to unload Hicks, and you want to unload uh, clearly a guy without question, Donaldson, Hicks, guys like that. I mean, they clearly don't want uh, IKF. I mean, they're talking about him maybe being the shortstop for Peraza. Well, why wouldn't you make Peraza the shortstop and, 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 and get rid of IKF if you don't want him? If you're not going to play him in the playoffs, why would you bring him to the team? They have some talent. You know, LeMayu's a talented player if he's healthy. But he's not a kid anymore. He's going on 35. They have a lot of work to do. And they have a lot of ways to attack this. Now, you know that they're going to have, you know, that you know they're going to have Cole and Cortez and Severino and guys like that in the rotation. That's fine. That's a nucleus you can deal with. And you know they're going to have Lewisica and Holmes and King and guys like that in the bullpen. Okay? We know that going in. And there's other names there I can mention that gives you depth in the pen, but you don't have a guy that you can say is, without question, your closer in that pen. That I don't have. That's not there. You know, not automatically there. And I don't think that there's a lot of people that you have to lock into. So I'm very open-minded about the team going forward. But it all starts with judging. You go from there. So I'm not looking for them to become a 70-win team, folks. There's no reason for that. Not with their resources. Not when you can pay the amounts of salaries they can pay. And the moves they can make will bring back players. But what I'm saying is, I'd like to see some wholesale changes because I don't think the core is very good. I don't think it's a core. It's a playoff core, but I don't think it's a championship core. And they continue to prove that. Uh, Jeff from Vegas says, do you think with Coach K not being at Duke, their recruiting will be hurt and Duke will maybe waver as a powerhouse? Distinct possibility. Would I say that it is automatic that they will remain Duke? No. There are very few places where I would say, no matter who the coach is, the program will remain on an elite level. I would say that at Kentucky. I would say that at North Carolina. I can't say it at Duke. I can't say it at Nova. 
I don't think it's true of many places. I think there's a couple of places. Even UCLA hasn't been automatic. So I can't say it about many, very many places. Indiana wasn't automatic. So very few. I think a lot of it is tied to the coaches. And let's see, uh, will they slip with Coach K? Logically, will Villanova slip? You know, Villanova, everyone's watching closely, lost to Temple the other night. Hey, right now Villanova's playing without its two best players. So that's an issue. I mean, a major issue going forward for them right now. You've got to be a little fair about that. Marcus, who is a better tight end, Gronkowski or Kelsey? Wow. that's it. First of all, I would be extremely happy with either. It is very hard do knock in any way Gronkowski. So, I, like I said, I'd be very happy with either one, but if you ask me which one I would prefer, I would prefer Kelsey. Nikki from Upstate. Why do you think Patrick Ewing has been unsuccessful as a head coach at Georgetown? I think it's harder to recruit players than you think. I think you, when you see a guy who has the ability as a program builder to sustain his program over a period of years, like John Thompson did, like Jim Calhoun did, like Jay Wright did. You become a little jaded by it and you think it's automatic. It's far from automatic. Recruiting those kind of players and then keeping them in a system and implementing them in the system is a lot harder than people think. A lot of time it's taken for granted and is considered to be automatic. It's not automatic. In any way is it automatic. Fred East Haven, is it my imagination or does there seem to be an increase in dropped passes in the NFL? I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that. I mean, I see plenty of them. Here's the first thing. There's a whole lot more passes in the NFL than there used to be. You see, teams throw the ball with such regularity. And even in this era, even in this era where quarterbacks call their own number and run out of design runs, which is something you didn't see in the old days of the NFL. You did in the old, old days, but you didn't see in the modern days of the NFL. And now you've gone to where it's become an issue because attacking the quarterback is done at such a high level by the defenses, having a quarterback that can run gives you a clear dimension. But now they're using these guys with design runs. Look at what Fields has done the last couple of games. I mean, he's running for astronomical numbers because they, had, they designed his runs. I mean, that's, that's, that's the difference. But um, as far as more drops, I think you see receivers make a lot of great catches. And some of them have some remarkable hands, but um, I think it's more a matter of concentration. So I don't know that this, you'd have to give me statistics that show me that per catch, because there's definitely more passes thrown, but I don't know that there's more drops. 
I think if you look at certain teams, there are, or certain players, there are. Sandy emails the Giants offensive play calling in the second half versus the Texans was atrocious. Your defense gets your turnovers, and the play calling was very, you know, run, run, run again. They were playing not to lose instead of going out and playing to win. I disagree. Their game plan was to run the ball against a team that has been exceedingly vulnerable to the run. Was I happy with a couple of things they did in their play calling? No. I'll give you the thing that I thought was ridiculous was I didn't understand Barkley going down. He had the corner and he slid to stay in bounds, but it was more important there that he got the first down, which it didn't matter that they had another timeout. He still would have been able to run out the clock. He needed the first down there and they didn't wind up getting the first down. They had to kick a long field goal. That did not work at all. That was a big mistake by Barkley. And they didn't really bring it up on TV, but it was a big mistake. It was far more important to get the first down there than anything else. And he didn't get it. That was just an error on his part. But I think clearly the game plan was not to be any less aggressive, but the game plan was to run. And why not? Two weeks ago, Tennessee had gotten 300 yards rushing against them. Everybody was getting 150, 160. I said the Giants would get 200. They got 191. So that's why that was just the game plan. I don't think this coach has been overly cautious in any way. Now, he was in a bad mood at times yesterday because certain players put him in a bad mood. They had some very poor play. Even on defense, they had some poor play in the secondary yesterday. They were very loose in the secondary in the second half. I mean, they got cut to ribbons in the second half. They made some plays. They got some turnovers. They got the big strip on Pierce when he was making another big run. And Pierce is a good player. Um, and they got the interceptions. But, boy, they gave up the field in chunks in the second half. Every time you turned around, they were coming right back down the field. And like I said, if you covered that game with a giant victory, thank Lovey for that. Because going to that field goal, I understand they needed two scores, but going to that field goal made no sense at that point. They were not going to be able to have enough time. Uh, And if they had stayed where they were, they would have thrown the next pass into the end zone and then lined up for an onside kick. You know, they would have gone for two, and they would have gone. For, they would have lined up for an onside kick either down five or down three, but they were going to score because the Giants were not stopping them at all. They were going to score. There's hands now. Unless the ball got tipped or they threw a lousy pass and it got intercepted, I think there was a very, very strong chance they were going to score. Um, Mark in Manhattan, how do you uh, interpret the results of the midterm elections? Everyone always sprinkles in a. Now and again, like everybody else, I was uh, very surprised that the Republicans didn't do better. I think there were a couple of things at work here. In some states, the abortion issue was an issue. Maybe bigger than some people had thought. Uh, I think clearly the Republicans are going to have the House They obviously have lost the Senate. I think the feeling was that they were going to get the House by a bigger margin. 
And, and it doesn't matter the margin, but they are going to get it. I mean, it, it does matter a little, but not overall. They're still going to have the house. Um, and that they would get probably 52, 53 Senate seats, and they didn't. And I think a couple of things played into it. I think the guys who ran still negating the presidential election were hurt by that. I don't think people wanted to hear that. That plays against everything we believe in in this country. I think that was a negative. I think uh, the deniers were a negative, and I think the abortion issue played into it a little bigger than it, and maybe that negated some of the very strong issues for the Republicans, which were mainly the economy and crime. And so they they didn't do well. Let's be honest, historically, from a midterm standpoint, they did incredibly poor. But uh, so was it surprising? Yeah, I think it was. Absolutely. But you're still going to have a uh, divide there, you know, which I think people like more than anything else. Um, Brendan emails, should the Yankees take a long look at uh, signing Nemo? Absolutely not. I don't think they need Nemo in any way. I don't see what they would, I, I don't see what he would do for them. I don't, I, I don't think they need that player. I think, I think he's a nice player. I think they don't need him at all. I don't think he is someone they should go after at all. Um, Rob emails, how does Joe Douglas compare to the last Jet GMs? I think, uh, Joe Douglas has done a very good job in rebuilding the talent on the Jets. I think the Jets have a good amount of talent. I think on defense, they are very talented. I think they are one of the more talented defensive teams in the league. I think their depth in the uh, defensive line and their secondary led by a budding superstar in Sauce Gardner who – you know, I thought was the best player in the draft. They got him. I think he is going to be the defensive player of the year by the time the year ends. And I think he's on his way to being a superstar player. Um, that was a great draft uh, pick by the, by him. Um, Hall was a terrific draft pick. He was on his way to having a sensational rookie season. Um, Wilson's a good player. They have plenty of talent. They need the quarterback to play with with confidence and with aggressiveness, but to cut out some of the really wicked mistakes. If they can do that, they're going to be good. I can't stress enough, and we'll get to it later in this week, how big this game is this week for the Jets. There are certain games that are season-changing games. There are certain games that are going to set you on a path. This is one of those games. It is so important from their psyche standpoint, from an overall team standpoint, from a culture standpoint, that they show that they can beat New England. If New England beats them again, it is something that they are going to have to carry forward again 
And I think it is very detrimental to them. I think they need to win over New England in the worst way. And in the standings, it sets up dramatically because this division, both the NFC East and NFC and AFC East, are setting up as wild races. Now, Eagle fans might not think there's going to be a race at all. Let's see. Let's see. They got games in the division starting uh, with the, eve- the Redskins game this evening, or the Washington game this evening, excuse me. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how this second half unfolds for them after a wonderful, overpowering first half. Dustin emails. The Booths have obviously been around for a while, so I'm wondering why only until recent years have offensive coordinators sat in the booth. Do you think that some of their uh, face-to-face passion is missed on the sideline? I, I, I don't see any reason why you would have your play caller. Now, let's say that most of the time it's your offensive coordinator, but not always. But whoever your play caller is, he's got to be upstairs. Makes no sense for him not to be. That should, and also, it would make no sense for a head coach not to wear a headset. If your head coach isn't wearing a headset, how, how plugged in is he? So uh, you don't see that anymore in the old days you used to. Um, I need the guy upstairs who's calling the plays, and I need him, you know, uh, and I need the head coach connected to him so that you give the head coach veto power over the guy who's calling the plays. Now, you had some things this weekend that are going to be interesting because clearly in the Minnesota game, the Minnesota-Buffalo game, they blew a call that was a booth review in the final minutes that they had no veto power. They had no chance to challenge. And you saw that Belichick wants the, and he's not wrong, just for protection, they want the ability to challenge in the final two minutes. Because you say, well, everything's reviewed. Well, where was that play? Because that play was clearly an incomplete pass. It was clearly an incomplete pass. And they didn't review it. Uh, Cal emails, with more and more NFL games being played overseas, is there a realistic chance that the league expands to one of those foreign cities? Can one of these cities clearly carry a franchise. Well, the only one I think that could is London. There's been a lot of talk about Jacksonville because of the owner's roots and connections to London. Um, You know, if you've listened to me, that I'm not a big fan of these games. All it is is the NFL's greed and overwhelming reach for green. Listen, everything the NFL does is for money. Everything they think about is for money. The only thing the Shield cares about is money. That's all the thing they've ever cared about and where they can get more money. And now they want to go and, you know, develop these markets. And I'm sure they were ecstatic with the enthusiasm and the crowd. But remember, you not only were sending the NFL product to Germany yesterday, you were sending as big a star as the NFL has probably ever had for that game. So these folks were able to see the guy that many people call the greatest player ever. 
So that is a very rare circumstance. So that, you know, I don't know that every game in Germany is going to be treated the same way as having Tom Brady there. But clearly there was an incredible demand for the tickets and the crew, the crowd was extremely enthusiastic. Hey, they want to sell NFL jerseys. They want to sell NFL stuff. They want to sell everything and they want to sell it to more markets because that's what they want to do. They want to grow the shield. Case closed. And if that means London, if that means Munich, whatever it means, Mexico City, wherever else, that's what they're going to do. Dennis, if you were an NFL general manager and you could have Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill, they're in the same draft, your team needed a wide receiver, which player are you drafting? Another great question but there's no wrong answer. You saw what Jefferson did yesterday. You saw the amazing catch he made. We have watched Tyreek Hill bring defenses to his knees, to their knees, time and time and time again. Jefferson brings everything you could have in the total package. Hill brings a stop-and-start speed, a change of direction and space speed that we have not seen. Again, there's no bad answer. They're both incredible talents. I would take Hill. Speed, 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 speed. I would take Hill. Chris uh, asks, what advice would you give a young person trying to get into broadcasting or podcasting? All right. It's a, it's a double-edged sword. I get asked this a lot when I've spoken to certain groups. I've discussed it on different levels. It's a very different time. It's a changing time. The move is towards streaming. The move is towards content, providing content for secondary and tertiary uses, which means you use the same content in different formats. It's a marriage of social media and communication platforms. Now, are there jobs? The answer is yes. Anybody can get on. Anybody can get a podcast. But is anybody going to listen to it? Is anybody going to download it? Is anybody going to help you make a buck with it? The answer is no, they're not. Okay, they're not. They're not going to help you do those things. So you can get a podcast, but it might die on the vine. So you can get a vehicle that will allow you to broadcast on it, but 99 times out of 100, it's going to be like 
this whole stockpile. See, where podcasting is working is for those of us, and I'll include myself in there, uh, who are brands, who come with a ready-made name that is going to draw attention and draw an audience right out of the box, which means if it's you're trying to, if you're trying to sell advertising for it, it works if you're already a brand. You can sell advertisers and get advertising to it. Or you can take this vehicle. Now, we don't accept advertising. As a matter of fact, we've had companies wanting to advertise on this podcast, but they don't accept it because Vet Rivers doesn't need the money and they have a different vision for their podcasts from that standpoint. So from that standpoint, it's a very, very different way to go about it, okay? Um, But what I would say is, this would be my message. Do the podcast. Get the work. Hone your skills on the podcast. And then try to come up with a way of performing or a point of view that cuts through. How am I unique? How am I different? Don't force it to the point of absurdity. But when you can make yourself different, when you can break through, that's when success will follow. There are always positives and there are always negatives no matter what time in your life you break into this business but it is obtainable if you have the drive and have the passion and have some talent we'll see you soon thanks for listening to the mike francesa podcast on the bet rivers network Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.